Welcome back to our weekly podcast. If this is your first time joining in, we're in the second week of a two-week mini-series called First Things. For these messages, we're focusing in on the last half of Luke chapter 2, where we learn about some of the first things that happened in Jesus' life after he was born. Now, we're not given much, but what God has chosen to share with us through his word about the early years of Jesus' life is rich with truth, reminding us about who Jesus is, why he was given, and what his life, ministry, and message means for us today. These messages have caused my wife and I to go down memory lane, talking about some of the first things that we experienced when we first met. We met at Mid-America Christian University in the fall of 2007. I've shared before about how she played really hard to get for a while. The first time that we did hang out outside of campus is one of our favorite memories. For whatever reason, I had decided that I wanted to get my ear pierced. I worked myself up for about two or three weeks and finally picked a date for when this was going to happen. I called one of my best friends at the time and asked him to meet us at our college. And then the three of us drove downtown where I was 100% sure that I was getting my ear pierced. The whole trip was built around this one event. So you can imagine their response when we got there and I just couldn't go through with it. Hence, no piercings today. Another one of our favorite first memories is from our first official date. We went on a double date to the state fair with another couple from our college. I'm sure we had a great time, but the thing that we remember most about this date is what happened when we were on our way back, only a couple minutes away from the dorms. The exit that you take off the highway to get to our college dorm comes out of nowhere, and it's known as being a speed trap for police pulling people over. I think you can guess where this is going. (laughs) Of course, I was driving, and of course, I was going just a few miles an hour over the speed limit, which was ridiculously low to begin with, when I exited the highway. And sure enough, I got pulled over. Now, if that wasn't funny enough to my three passengers, when the police officer asked for my license and registration, I went to grab it out of the glove box, and an unpaid speeding ticket popped out and magically landed on Faith's lap. (laughs) The police officer asked to see it, and then he immediately started laughing when he recognized the name of the officer who had given me the ticket just a few weeks earlier. We look back at both of these memories, and we just laugh. We tend to remember and cherish the first things, These are two stories that I'm sure we're going to pass on to our grandkids someday. Last week, we read from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 35. This is Luke's account of when Jesus was circumcised at eight days old and then dedicated to the Lord at the temple at 40 days old. This is also when Mary and Joseph experienced another divine interruption. They met a man named Simeon who was a faithful follower of God. Simeon had waited his entire life to meet the Messiah. And when he finally did, he praised God and sang about how Jesus was born to offer salvation to all people, how this salvation would follow suffering, and how the events of Easter are what makes it possible for us to grasp the heart of Christmas, the season that we just celebrated. For this second message, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 2, verses 39 through 52. This is where we learn about some of the first things that Jesus experienced in his preteen years, 12 years old to be exact. It's easy for us to forget the unique circumstance that Jesus was born into, and that he was once a preteen, a teenager, and even a young adult. Throughout today's message, I want to remind our church family that no one is too young to be used by God. 
I also want to encourage our parents and grandparents with this truth that God wants to use you to help your kids and your grandkids focus on the right things that will help them grow in the right way. We know that Jesus is the Son of God, but he also experienced life as an ordinary preteen. Even though God's Word doesn't talk specifically about his teenage and young adult years, it does give clues for how Jesus lived during those years in preparation for the rest of his life. Our passage for today paints a clear picture for what Jesus was like as a young person, but also how he used that time to help prepare for the mission that God the Father had given him. If you have a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 39 through 52. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So our passage for today begins with these words. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. Their child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. These verses frame the entire story that we just read. Later on in the message, you'll see exactly why these verses are so important and how they're still relevant and applicable for our lives today. So every year, Joseph and Mary would travel from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. The distance between Nazareth and Jerusalem, depending on which route you take, is about 65 to 70 miles. To put things into perspective, that's like walking or riding a donkey from La Crescent, Minnesota to Rochester, Minnesota. They would have made this trip at least once a year to attend the Passover festival. The Passover festival took place in the spring. It commemorated the night God's people escaped slavery in Egypt when the final plague killed all the Egyptian firstborn children that passed over the Israelite homes. This was the most important Jewish festival of the year. So if you were going to attend just one festival, and there were many to choose from, this was the one. When Jesus was 12 years old, they made this trip like they'd done every year before. Now, people would have traveled to the festival in caravans, the women and children leading the way and setting the pace up front, the men and the young men following behind. Relatives and even whole villages would often travel together to help keep an eye out for all the children. 
At the age of 12, Jesus could have easily gone from one group to another and not been missed. He was just old enough to hang back with the men and the young men, and he was just young enough to stay with the women and children. Joseph would think that he was with Mary and the other children, and Mary may have thought he was with Joseph and the other men or even another relative. After the festival was over, they began their journey home to Nazareth, but there was a problem. Jesus wasn't with the group. Not only was he not with the group, but his family had also traveled for an entire day without noticing that he was gone. Jesus had stayed behind in Jerusalem. Joseph and Mary didn't miss him at first because they thought he was mixed in somewhere in the group. But when evening came and they couldn't find him, they started to look for him even harder. They were panicking. The Bible says they started looking for him among their relatives and their friends. Jesus went missing and everyone stopped what they were doing to try to help find him. Parents, I think we've all been there at one point or another. Most of us haven't lost a kid for a long period of time, but we've all looked down when we're at the mall or at a ball game and realized that one of our kids wasn't there. And in that moment, you panic. You do whatever you can to rally as many people as you can to help find your kid. Joseph and Mary started panicking. After looking for Jesus among their family and friends with no results, they decided to go all the way back to Jerusalem to look for him there. After one day of traveling from Jerusalem, one day traveling back, and one day searching in Jerusalem, they finally found Jesus in the temple. He was sitting with the religious leaders, listening to everything they were saying and asking questions. At the temple, a religious teacher would respond to a student's question with a series of counter questions. That's a great way to teach. And that's why Jesus was giving these answers that amazed all the people who were listening in. The teachers were asking counter questions. Even at the age of 12, Jesus was a student of God's word. As you can imagine, his parents didn't quite know what to think. Luke chapter 2 verse 48 says his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. That Greek word for frantic is best translated as greatly distressed or sorrowing. So they were, they were sad, they were sorrowing, they were hurt. Joseph and Mary were panicking. They were greatly distressed, just like any parent would be who'd lost a child. Now Jesus' response to their question is an interesting one. In verse 49 he said, But why did you need to search, he said? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? It's important to note this is the very first time in Scripture when Jesus mentioned his understanding that he was God's Son. And we see throughout this passage, Jesus was always obedient to his earthly parents, but his greatest loyalty was to his heavenly Father. Joseph and Mary didn't understand what he meant when he said, I must be in my Father's house. They knew that Jesus was the Messiah. We see this early on in the Gospels, but they didn't know that he was making a distinction between his earthly father and and his heavenly father. Jesus knew that he had a unique relationship with God. And although Joseph and Mary knew that he was God's son, they didn't fully understand what his life would involve. Jesus is the son of God, but he was also Joseph and Mary's son. And they raised him like they raised Jesus's younger siblings. Mary heard the words of Simeon that we read last week when he said, Jesus had been sent as a sign from God, but many people will be opposed to him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Mary heard these words, but she didn't fully understand what Jesus' life would involve. She didn't yet understand that his life would lead to the cross. After this memorable, 
an emotional event, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus made the 65-mile trip back home to Nazareth. And the story concludes with these words in verses 51 and 52. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So even as a preteen, Jesus was perfect, always obeying his earthly parents, but paying even closer attention to obeying his heavenly father. For the last part of today's message, I'd like to encourage all of our young people to look to Jesus' life as an example of what it looks like to grow in the right way. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor. We're going to break that down. I also want to encourage all of our parents and grandparents to take seriously the call to parent and invest in your children by providing opportunities for the right kind of growth. You know, some people view youth as something negative. I think there's a belief in our culture that a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, or an 18-year-old can't accomplish anything meaningful or lead a life of significance until they're older. But as we see in this story, and throughout the rest of God's word, this belief couldn't be further from the truth. You see, regardless of your age or stage, God can grow you to be a kingdom worker. The first point that you can fill in if you're taking notes is that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor. Let's break this down. Verses 40 and 52 both talk about Jesus growing in wisdom. But what does this mean? Why is it important? And how does someone grow in wisdom? God's word teaches us that there are two kinds of wisdom. First, you have the world's wisdom, and then you have God's wisdom or godly wisdom. The world's wisdom, which isn't really wisdom at all, is selfish. It places the importance on man's knowledge, what we think we know, and celebrates a person's status in society, their wealth, education, and popularity. God's wisdom only comes from God and is found when we know or fear the Lord and when we live by the counsel of his word. The Bible teaches us that God's wisdom is available to all people, but sadly, many people think they already know it all and that they don't need God. If this is your thinking, the Bible calls you a fool. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, we read these words, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. These verses are the opening words to the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom. As you read through the Proverbs, you learn that knowledge is knowing the right answers, but wisdom is applying what you know. It's living it out in everyday life. It's been said that millions of people will miss heaven by a distance of about 18 inches. A lot of people know about God and even know what the Bible says, but they don't truly know God and live in obedience to his word. In case you're wondering, 18 inches is roughly the distance between your head and your heart. Millions of people have head knowledge. They know about God, but they haven't experienced a heart transformation. They don't truly know God. If I could encourage our young people with one thing today, it would be this. Seek after God and his wisdom, not the world's. If I can encourage our parents and our grandparents with one thing today, it would be this. Be intentional about getting rid of anything in your life and in your home that doesn't point your children back to Jesus, the stuff that promotes the world's wisdom. Jesus' example reminds us that we should always be growing in godly wisdom at every age and every stage, but especially when we're young. Jesus also grew in stature. 
Growing in stature is another way of saying that he grew physically. And we all grow physically, and the best kind of physical growth is accompanied by physical health. Here's a few verses that speak to this truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19-20 through 20 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, So whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And then 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, this is my favorite verse uh, for this topic. It says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So spiritual training, spiritual health was always the priority in Jesus' life. And it should always be the priority in our lives as well. But we also need to remember that our lives were bought with a price. As Christians, we're called to honor God with our bodies, glorifying him in whatever we do. So young people, it's important to be active right now. Don't just lock yourselves in your room, spending hours a day on social media, hours a day playing video games. Go outside, be active, take care of the body that God has given you. And parents, it's important to provide opportunities for your kids to be active, especially in the winter months in Wisconsin. Encourage them to socialize with others, to be involved in something outside of the home in the community. Growing in stature, growing physically was important to Jesus, and it should be important to us as well. Well, finally, we read about how Jesus grew in favor with God and all the people. That word favor in the Greek means God's pleasure or God's goodwill. You have God's favor when you know the Lord, when you put your trust in Jesus, when you have a sincere faith in him. God's favor is available to all people. God wants us to experience his favor, but he also wants us to learn from Jesus' example, growing in favor with other people. So for our young people, how are you using this time to serve others well? Are you praying for others? Are you building godly relationships? The most important things in life really do come back to relationship. If you're going to grow in the right kinds of ways, you have to be intentional about how you're spending your time with others. If you want to know what your future looks like, and I've said this before, look around at who you're spending your time with now. And parents, do you know the people your kids are spending their time with? Are they surrounded by people who are going to reinforce the truths that you're working hard to instill in your children in the home? Or... Are they surrounded by people who are living in a way that promotes the world's wisdom? We can demonstrate what it looks like to build healthy, godly relationships with other people. Jesus grew in favor with God and with all the people. We should too. The second point for today, and this will wrap up the message, is this. A person's preteen and teenage years are meant to be the spiritual preparation for the rest of their life. The time they spend with their family, the friends they make, how they learn to work, how they learn to serve God with the gifts that he's given them will mark the rest of their lives. Whether you're a preteen, a teenager, a young adult, or even an adult, we can all learn from Jesus' example in Luke chapter 2. Jesus was spiritually preparing for adulthood. He was growing in the right kinds of ways. And today we can be reminded to focus on the right things as well. God wants us to grow in wisdom and in stature, and in favor. All of this requires godly wisdom. I would say if you need God's wisdom today, for whatever area of life it is, whether it's marriage, parenting, work, how you're serving God, all you have to do is ask. 
James chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind.